call had come. A position available on an Indian reservation. Did he want the job? He'd flown into the Riverton airport, still wobbly on his feet with his newfound sobriety. The center of Ethity was ahead, a stoplight swinging over the junction of two roads with a gas station and convenience store on the southwest corner. Father John began easing on the brake, then took a left into the grounds of St. Aidan's and wound around a narrow, circular road past a series of small buildings, past a hundred-year-old log cabin church rooted in the earth and the snow. He parked in front of the cream-colored residence and turned off the tape player, the melody still running through his head as he hurried up the sidewalk. They were similar, the two missions, he thought, knocking on the front door and glancing around. One Episcopalian, one Catholic, separated by thirty miles— both of the circle of dormitories, schools, and cookhouses that had metamorphosed into offices, museums, and meeting halls. St. Aidan's had come first, but Father John Roberts, the Episcopal priest who founded the mission, had welcomed the Jesuits in 1884 when they built St. Francis close to Arapaho settlements in the eastern part of the reservation. Now the Indians are surrounded by Christianity, he'd said. The door squealed open, and a small woman peered upward, sending him a look of expectation. She was that indeterminate age, somewhere between fifty and seventy, and everything about her looked soft, from the gray color of her hair to the milky blue eyes and the tiny lines cushioned in the folds of her face. "'Come in, father,' she said, backing into a small entry and pulling the door with her. Nathan's waiting in the study. She tossed her head toward the closed door on the left, then started down a narrow hallway toward the kitchen in back. "'How do you like your coffee?' she called over one shoulder. He could see the edge of the dark cabinets beyond her the small table still littered with what looked like the plates and mugs from breakfast. The sharp aromas of bacon and fresh coffee mingled in the air. Somewhere in the house a washing machine was rumbling. A little milk, thanks. He rolled his jacket into a bulky ball and set it on the chair in the corner, then balanced his cowboy hat on top. Before he could rap on the door, it swung inward. Filling up the opening was the large figure of Nathan Owens, dressed in blue jeans and a denim shirt that strained across his barrel chest. The man's round, puffy face was marked by a prominent nose and flushed cheeks beneath the thin strands of fading hair combed back from his forehead. He was in his seventies, he'd once confided to Father John, beyond the age of retirement, a fact that he hoped would continue to escape the Episcopal powers that be. He liked working on the reservation, even though he hadn't wanted the assignment here twenty years ago, another fact that he'd confided. A Philadelphia wasp like me on an Indian reservation? The Lord works in strange ways. He brought me from Boston, Father John had said, and they'd both laughed. Now Father Nathan motioned him into a cramped study, not unlike his own. Paper spilled over the surface of the desk and onto the chair pulled close to one side. Have a seat, the other priest said, scooping another pile of papers from the upholstered chair against a bookcase crammed with books stacked on one another. Father John dropped into the chair as the Episcopal priest swung his girth around the desk and settled into a swivel chair. "'I appreciate your coming, John,' he said, shoveling his fingers through his thin hair before patting it back into place. "'What's going on?' Father Nathan raised a fleshy hand, fingers outstretched. His wife was coming through the door, holding out two coffee mugs like offerings. "'Don't worry about me,' she said, handing one mug to Father John. She smiled at him. "'The priest's wife sees nothing and tells nothing.' She pushed aside a stack of papers and set the other mugs on the desk. "'Thank you, dear.' Nathan waited until the woman had retraced her steps and closed the door behind her. "'I don't want Hilda worrying about this,' he said. "'It'll only upset her. She knows there's something I wanted to talk over with you, that's all.' Father John sipped at his coffee. It was fresh and hot. He could feel the burning strand of liquid dropping into his chest. 
I'm going to cut to the chase, John, Father Nathan was saying. A very disturbing call came in last evening. The minute I answered the phone, uh, a voice on the other end, if you can call it a voice, said, listen carefully and pay attention. I tell you, a chill ran through me. I hit the record button on instinct. The man paused, his gaze fastened on the phone next to his untouched mug of coffee. You'd better hear this, he said, jamming a fleshy finger on one of the buttons. There was a half second of whirring, followed by a clicking noise, then... This is for the Indian priest. The voice of a machine, Father John thought, speaking in a monotone, high-pitched and rapid and inhuman, the voice of a robot or an alien in a B-movie. Father John shifted forward, set his mug on the desk, and dipped his head toward the phone, not taking his eyes from the tiny microphone spilling out the words.